I was going to finish this uh, sermon series probably in about six weeks. But every time I read through this book, I see so many layers. I see so many like different kind of like things and levels to this book. In each chapter, as I start to um, pre- like prepare, I realize like it's going to be like one really long sermon, right? So today, for your sake and my commitment to sh- preach like short sermons, um, I had to split this up into into another sermon, and so we were. We're not going to finish chapter 1 today. We'll finish chapter 1 next week. Um, so we're going to actually go through this book really slowly. I think, I think it's a good way to tackle this book because it's such a rich book. There's so many uh, things in this book that as I you know, study it and as I continue to look into it, um, it I, we can't do it justice by just breezing through this. Uh, I, and I really feel like God wants us to look deeply into this book to what, what uh, Paul has to say and what the Holy Spirit and what, what God has to say regarding our faith and regarding our lives in Christ. Um, so today we're going to look at chapter 1. Uh, our brother Hendrik read it for us today, chapter 1, verse 15 through 18, right? Uh, and then we've been looking at this book. We've been looking at what kind of believers that the Ephesians were. They were mature believers. Okay? They were well-established and faithful believers, Paul spent like a large chunk of his missionary journeys, three years of his life there. And, and I talked about it in the sermons that he, it was really a time when um, like the spirit of God started to really break out. And like you know, miracles were happening and like the gospel was being preached all through Asia. Like Asia back then was, was this area of Ephesus and Turkey going into like the outer reaches of, of, of that area. That's, that's what they call Asia. Asia. And, and in Acts it says that Paul, as he's leaving Ephesus, he's saying like, man, I preached... And the gospel was preached to like almost everybody in this region. And so they were, these were faithful believers. Um, and, and as, you know, Paul leaves, he says that he's innocent of their blood. That he is, he, that his conscience is clear because he did not shrink back from declaring the full counsel of God. And that he's confident that he did everything to preach and teach the gospel and the things of God to basically everyone in that area. You know, for three years, he established mature, God-fearing, well-trained, you know, well-equipped believers in this church. And now Paul, you know, he's, he's under house arrest in Rome. He's sitting in basically in prison. And here he writes this letter to the Ephesians. And, and, and last week we talked about this, this long run-on sentence, right? It's, in the Greek, it's like a, it really is. It's, it's considered the longest sentence in the Bible. And, and you know, it's not be, he didn't do this because Paul, like, is, is not good at writing, right? Like, that he's like a poor grammatical person who's like all into grammar here anybody really like a grammar police right you guys would hate me I, my grammar sucks right but like it's not because like paul is like really bad at grammar and he doesn't know how to put place a period it really is it's a it's like a, a writing device that he used where he just goes on and on because that's like the that's like how he feels in his heart he just can't help but just like just like pour out out of him just the blessings immense blessings and as soon as he wants to end the thought about this blessing he's like oh there's more and it's like and then then there's this about his blessing and then and he just he just pours out this blessing because he could not just contain it into like like individual sentences because it's like if you look at our blessings in christ it's it's immense it's endless it's a continual blessing that we have in the lord right and so after this avalanche of praise about being blessed in christ he goes on to another run-on sentence. The next one, sentence that will come, verse 15 to 23, is like another run-on sentence. Right? And it really is another, like a, like a praise 
that flows from his heart. And he starts his second sentence with, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints. So Paul's here. He's writing to the Ephesian whom he's raised up, spent all this time with, preaching, teaching, equipping, empowering, saying like, you know, like, you know, like give him the, everything that they need to live, the, live the, the, the faithful life in Christ, right? And, he, he, and this is years later. Right? This is a few years later. If you look at his timeline, it's probably like maybe four or five, maybe anywhere between five and six, seven years later after he's left uh, Ephesus and he's sitting in Rome. And he hear he hears from people that they're like what how they've been carrying on in Ephesus since he's left, right? And it's it's a good, it's a good report. You know, they've been keeping up the faith, they've been staying the course, they've been doing what what Paul had called and and, 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 and like encouraged them and strengthened and taught them to do. He's heard of the faith that they continue to have in Jesus. Their relationship with Christ was evident. And along with that, they have been loving towards the saints. Right? This is like how he describes. He's like, man, I've heard these news about you guys. And it says that like your faith in Christ, your, your relationship with Christ is strong. And, and you, you, are, you are loving towards the faith. I mean, to, to the saints. Right? And this is what he hears. And in essence, they've been doing the two great, greatest commandments that Jesus gave his disciples and to all of us. Right, what are the two greatest commandments? Right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, you know, mind, soul, strength. And then the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And, and then Jesus says that on this depends all of the law and the prophets. Like all of the law and the, and the prophetic words that were declared in the Old Testament, all he's saying that all boils down to, and this is Jesus saying this, into these two commandments, right? And, and so, you know, he, it basically is they're, they're doing what Jesus has called them to do. Right? And I want, I, want, I want to take a moment and kind of look at these commandments. Is, is if, you, if you notice Jesus' greatest commandments towards us, right? who's noticed that it has nothing to do with sin? Right? I'm not saying that sin's not important or it's not an issue. Right? Sin is very serious. It leads to what? Sin leads to what? Death, right? But God gives us priority in this commandment, right? And we have to take note of the priority that God gives us in His spiritual like discipline, the way that God wants us to see our spiritual lives. And when Jesus says that the two greatest commandments that He's talking about, it's a priority, right? Saying that the, He's setting the priority. It's not like some like it's not like me trying to set this priority, or it's not like theologians out there that decided that this is like a spiritual priority. Jesus Himself sets this priority for us, right? And it says first. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, with all your strength. And second, love the people that are around you. He didn't say the greatest commandment is don't sin. Sin, we shouldn't sin, right? But some of us, we think this way. Some of us think that our greatest commandment is, like for a long time, you know, my immature life, I saw but the greatest commandment that I had to face was remaining, remaining pure. For so many of us, that seems to be like the, the greatest commandment that Jesus gave us is to remain pure. Right? And then a lot of times when we're able to remain pure, we feel so victorious. We feel so like good about ourselves. We feel like, oh, yes. And then as soon as we kind of mess up, like everything crumbles around us, we feel bad. We feel low. And we feel like, you know, like 
defeated. Once again, I'm not saying that purity is not important, but there's a priority that God is setting here. The greatest of all commandments, Jesus says, is love your the Lord your God, all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Now, he didn't even say don't fall into idolatry because, you know, God hates idolatry, right? How many know that God hates idolatry? If you look, the, if you read the Old Testament. Like, the one sin, it's an abomination to the Lord. It was idolatry. He doesn't even say, like, don't be idolatrous. Don't fall into idolatry. He says, what does he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Because Jesus knew that without his help, it would be impossible for us to do anything about our sin. You know, like, it's our natural disposition. You know how I know that sin is our natural disposition? It's from raising my kids. Right? I knew, or I saw earlier on, I was like, dang, humans are sinful. Right? Even when Ethan was like, like, like six months old, you see his sinfulness. Right? When you put him around other kids, the first thing he does is like, mine. Right? It's like, mine. Like, this is mine. And they'll push and like, it comes out. And as, you, as they get older, I'm realizing more and more, like, wow, like, we, we really are. We we really need the grace of the Lord. Right? And I believe for for ourselves, for me, a true sign of a mature believer is this: one that understands and is living a life of grace and truth in their lives is that they one they that they truly love God. And then the and then the second, like Jesus says, is that they truly love people. And here's the thing, not just people that love them, right? Because Jesus says, it's easy to love the people that love you back, right? How many know Dr. Evil loved Mini-Me, right? Even Dr. Evil still loved, like, you know, his, who, is that too old of a reference? You guys never saw Austin Powers, right? Right? Well, we must learn to love genuinely, even the ones that annoy you. A lot of times I'm like, oh, I don't hate people. I don't have the sin of hate. And God will say, like, well... Do people annoy you? And I'm like, yes. Even if people, the ones that give you a hard time, the ones that disagree with you, Jesus said, love your what? Enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. And in, in the Bible, Jesus talks about the 99, right? It so talks about the shepherd that leaves the 99 to go after the one. And when he, when he says this, he's talking about our, our heart to like really reach the lost people, right? But I believe that this analogy also works with the way that we love. Because I noticed in my life that 99 of the people around me, I'm cool with. I'm, I'm cool with 99. Have you guys noticed in your life? 99 of the people around you, they're good. But there's always one. There's always one that's just like, it just makes my life difficult, right? And if, if this doesn't apply to you, you just might be that one, right? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just playing. I'm just, just kidding. But it, I, I believe that it's easy to love the 99. It really is. Right? It's easy to love the 99, but many times God would discipline us because he disciplines the ones that he loves, right? He disciplines us with that one. And then God is saying, hey, how are you dealing with that one? Are you, are you leaving the 99 to like really, like really go to the one? It's not just the lost, man. It's just the people around us. It's easy to love the 99. I noticed in the ministry, all through ministry, like 99 
percent of the church is cool and they're fine, and then there's always one one percent that God placed in our heart, and it's just like it. Me and Mina will will, will anguish, and we'll have such a hard life. And it, it, it it's like this throughout the season, and I believe it's it's just the way that God tells us, and God disciplines us, and God sharpens us because He's saying that hey, loving the ninety nine. Right? Even Dr. Evil can do that, right? Dr. Evil can love all of his henchmen, right? But that one, right? Are you, are you able to love that one? Right? And it's because this is a sign of true maturity. You know, because loving that one, it requires humility. And loving that one requires patience. Loving that one requires true kindness, right? And this is what Paul finds in Ephesus. What he's heard about them, they're walking in spiritual maturity. It's like, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I have heard of the faith, the love, the, the relationship that you have with God, with Jesus. Right? I have heard that you are good vertically, right? You know, increase the vert, expand the horizon. You guys heard of that? Like, our, our love of God is like the cross. Like, I have heard of your vertical, right? That was, a, that, was a, that was like a VBS theme that we had when I was like in third grade. I still remember it, right? I remember this, our pastor was just like, the vertical, and then the horizon, it's Jesus, right? <laughs> and we were like third graders, we're like, what's he talking about, right? But it stuck with us, right? He, they're doing the vertical, right? Their relationship with God, and they're also doing the horizontal. They're, they're loving all the, this isn't like how you love some of the saints. He's like, you're loving, you love all the saints. Your love for all the saints. That you have a genuine love for each other. And then this is what Paul says, and this is the main thrust of my sermon today. He says, for this reason, he remembers them in his prayer, and that he never ceases to give thanks for them as he continues to pray for them. And then he tells them how he's praying for them. And I believe this is very important. Here we have a lesson on a prayer from the Apostle Paul. And it's a lesson not just for young Christians, but this is a lesson, I believe, more for the mature believers. I believe there's a lot of you in here, right? a good number of you guys that's been running with you. You guys are spiritually mature. Right? Just like these Ephesians. Paul's saying, like, like Ephesians, you're on my heart, you're on my mind. I can't stop praying for you. I give thanks to God for you every day. And then this is how I pray for you. And I believe that this is how I pray for you is very important, that we really have to listen how, G, how Paul is praying for these saints. In the midst of you doing what you are supposed to do, you doing everything right, this is how I am praying for you. Because remember, I, I preached about it, this in my first sermon, is that if Ephesus started out great, right? even when Paul was there, he's like, man, you guys are doing great. You guys are doing amazing. But then when you look in, in Revelation, years later, when John... Right, writes this revelation that he gets from Jesus. And Jesus tells the church of Ephesus, like, man, you guys are doing everything right. right? You guys have your, you know, your programs together. You guys are reaching the lost. You guys are doing all of these things. But then I have this one thing against you. You have, loved, you have lost the love that you had at first. Right? That's what, that's what this, is, this church in Ephesus is a church that started out amazingly. But at the end, Jesus says, this is, I have this against you. You've lost the love you had at first. And I believe that in here, in the way that Paul is continuing to pray for, there's the answer to that. There's an there's a answer to, to how we can remain and continue to remain in that, in that place of first love. 
and how he's praying for these saints. It's an inside look at how an apostle prays for, for the saints. An apostle that has taught them everything that they know, has been leading and teaching them for years, and he's like, this is how I pray for you. So let's, take a, let's take a look at this, this prayer and, and like the nuances of how Paul prays for the Ephesians because how he prays for these mature believers should be in line with how we pray how we pray for our lives and how our prayer life is, what the nature and the, the purpose and the center of our prayer life really is. Like, I pray for you like this. And, 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 and in doing so, you guys should pray for yourself like this. You guys should try to see this in your life. So let's look at it. We read it earlier. It's Ephesians 1, verse 15. I'm going to read it to verse For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints." You know, he could have prayed for many things for the Ephesians, right? He could have prayed for many things. He could have prayed for increase. He could have prayed for prosperity. He could have prayed that they would not go astray. He could have prayed for them to remain strong in the faith, for them to, to not mess up, for them to not fall into idolatry, for them to keep doing what, what Paul had taught them, for them to be protected, for them to, you know, like really just grow. And all of these things, he had all of these things that he could have prayed for them. These are all legitimate prayers, but what he prays for, as he sends out this last communications to the Ephesians, right? Because this is probably the last, like, words. He's, he's, he's sitting in, in, in jail, and he's like, this probably might be my last communication to, to these saints, right? He doesn't pray anything regarding their circumstance. He doesn't mention anything about their struggles. He doesn't mention anything about their pains, anything about their needs. He doesn't mention any of this. He doesn't address their circumstances at all. But he prays for God to give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now he could pray for all of these things. But what he prays for, and he continues to pray this for them, is that they will have a greater love, like they will know God more. This is, this is the center of his prayer for the saints. He's like, that, that you will know God. God more. Not only would you know God more, that you, but you would have a greater ability to know more about God. That they would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. I want to break this down a little bit. is Because a long time ago, I used to think the spirit of wisdom and revelation was the Holy Spirit. Right? I started with the Holy Spirit, but like the more I study this text and the more I, I read, I read this like like countless times in the past few weeks. And the more I read this, I believe that it's not talking about the Holy Spirit, but more about our human spirit. And we have a human spirit. You know, like we're, God, we're created in God's image. The thing that separates like me from Nugget is that I have a spirit, right? My dog has personality, but he does not have a spirit, right? I have a, I have a human spirit within me, right? Nugget is my dog, by the way, right? She's really cute. She stinks. Right? 
And I believe that what, what Paul's talking about is a human spirit that we have, right? That, that, like, and it's an attitude or a disposition towards wisdom and revelation in our spirit. Right? For God. Because right before this, in verse 13, he, he tells us that, that we have already received, like, when we believed in Christ, that we have already received and have been sealed with the, with the promised Holy Spirit, right? In verse 13, he's saying, like, yeah, you already have the Holy Spirit. And then he's not going to say, like, well, I, I pray that you will receive the Holy Spirit of wisdom and revelation. I believe that this, this, this Spirit is not, like, a, a, it's not a representation of the Holy Spirit, but it is our human spirit. I don't think it's, I also don't think that it's, like, some other kind of extra spirit that we need to, like, go after. Because and what, what do we really need? We need the Holy Spirit, right? That's all we really need. So it boils down to this. I believe that what he's talking about is our human spirit. I believe that what he's talking about is like Matthew 5, when Jesus says in the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Right? So that poor in spirit, that spirit is not like the Holy Spirit, that we would be poor in the Holy Spirit. He's talking about that we would have a, a disposition, right? A, a, a spirit that's within us that is humble and, 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 and broken, right? Because in that brokenness that we're going to be able to really inherit the what Paul's talking about here is that we would have, by the power of the Holy Spirit that's in us, that our spirit that is within us would have a, like a disposition, like the word I want to propensity, like that it would like, like be to, like continually go to want to receive wisdom and re- revelation in the knowledge of God. You know, the wisdom here is not an earthly wisdom, but it's something that can only come from the Lord. It's a wisdom that comes from God. There's, we can get earthly wisdom out there. There's plenty of earthly self-help books filled with earthly wisdom, right? But this, the wisdom that we're talking about is a wisdom that is not found in, nat, in the natural, but is found in God and the Spirit. And the revelation that he's talking about is a Greek word apocalypsis, and it's the same word that we get apocalypse, right? You know that the book of Revelation is actually called the book of apocalypse. The Greek word is apocalypsis. And it literally means to make naked or bare or to uncover. I'm going somewhere with this, right? Revelation is to uncover. So Paul is talking about a spirit within us, an attitude for wisdom to know and understand the things that God uncovers for us. Because the things of God are covered. The things of God are hidden to man. But it doesn't mean that it has to stay that way. But for us to have a disposition towards wisdom, towards what God uncovers for us about Himself, you know, it basically is a spirit that is more inclined to, to seek out what God is uncovering for Him for us. To seek it out, to 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 be like a miner digging for gold. Right? You, you dig because you're you're looking for something, right? Or like some. Some guy that's out there trying to look for treasure, right? You, you search and you look and you're not just like, oh, there's no treasure, I'm gone. Like, no, you dig, right? You try to go underground. Like my, my dog Nugget, right? When, he, when Ezra would drop like a piece of anything, any kind of food in the cracks of our couch, she just stays right there in the crouch. Like for like, like I, I know when something is in there because she's just staring. She's just honestly kind of like, she knows that there's something down there, right? She knows that there's there's some, and usually it's like like a piece of cereal or something, but she, and, or it's under the couch, 
like they'll drop something under the couch and she's up she's under like this like like trying to get it but then like this is this is the image that we get is that when we have a spirit of wisdom and revelation it's not just like or like we're just going to receive for what it is we really want to go and like a, a a a spirit that goes and try to really seek and hunger and go after the wisdom and what God is uncovering for himself for us about himself we think revelation for God and, and like we're just supposed to just sit there and wait. We go up to a mountaintop and like we hike up there and we're like, Revelation. That's how like we think about revelation. Like we like like we have no control over the revelation that we get from the Lord. But no, we can seek it. And this is what Paul's talking about. He's like, I pray that you will have a spirit within you, that your spirit will have a like a a a, a like a, a yearning for, for wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. That you will have a, a spirit within you that will want to seek it out. And as God uncovers these things, that you will have, you will have a, a desire and a hunger to go after this knowledge of God. To have a spirit within us that seeks to have wisdom and knowledge about the things that God reveals to us he uncovers for us about himself. That's what he's praying. And that's what he prays for the saints. And he says that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened. And he's praying for the eyes of our hearts to be enlightened. The eyes of our hearts are constantly look, trying to look for other things, right? The eyes of our, if, if left unchecked, the eye of my heart is going to go and look at some stupid things, right? Because we all have an eye of our heart. Our hearts are always wanting to experience things, you know, my heart, you know, like sometimes, you know, like, it's like, oh, oh, or like, you know, like, there's all these things that our hearts are, like, we have no, con- we have very little control of our hearts, right? Do you know that? Have you ever felt, I've said this before, have you ever tried not to, like, 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 feel a certain way? Like, have you ever tried not to like a boy that's really cute? That's very difficult, right? Uh, not for me, right? But I've had I've had seasons where I've tried not to like a girl. I'm like, oh man, she will never go for me, you know. And I try, but my heart, I can't control my heart. My heart will just do what it does, right? In the same way, the eyes of your heart is always going to be constantly wanting to do like, oh, I want to want to experience this. I want to see that. But he's saying the eyes of our heart to be enlightened, for God to shine His light into our hearts, so that that, that it will be enlightened for us to like really be able to focus on the things that God reveals to us about himself. The word enlightened in the Greek is basically defined as to bring to light, render evident, to cause something to exist that thus comes to light and becomes clear to all. It's like, it's like enlightened is for something to come about that shines so brightly and is rendered evident, more evident, evident, evident than anything else. Right? Like for me, give you an example, is like, like, I'd never eaten Texas barbecue before in my life, growing up, right? I, I'd never been to Texas. I, I, growing up in L.A., I never knew, met anybody from Texas. Sorry, uh, Claire's not here. Right? So I've never eaten any Texas barbecue, right? The, the greatest meat I felt like I ever ate growing up was, was like a restaurant in L.A. called Lari's, and they would have these steak, and it was like a 100 bucks. And I remember I ate it, and I was like, oh, this is really good, right? That was a really good steak. And I thought, oh, this probably... In my mind, I was like, oh, the best meat that I could eat would be, like, the steak, right? Until, like, I started to, like, make 
make, I started to smoke meat. I came to Korea to be a Texan, right? So I started to smoke meat on the roof of my, in my building, and then, and then went, like, and I have had a few failures, and you guys have eaten some of my failures, right? Yes. Right. It's not easy to smoke a brisket, right? But I remember the, the one time that I really made this brisket, and it was like juicy, and it was so good, and I remember cutting into it, and I remember eating it, and I was like, I remember having this epiphany. It was like this enlightenment in my mouth, saying like, and then I said this, I never want to not eat this ever again, right? <laughs> And then I, I, and all of us, because we have a roof thing so that I can like barbecue up there. And then the first thing, this fear seized my heart. It's like, oh, if I move out of this building, I might never be able to eat this meat ever again, right? That's literally what I felt. That's why we want to stay there longer, right? right? But it's like this, it's like, and now everything else, every meat, it's good. Like when I make like meat at home, I'll make a steak and it's good. But then when I think about like brisket, I'm like, there's like a special place in my heart for that, right? There's an enlightenment that ha- it didn't wasn't there before I had it, but, but but it was enlightened as I did, right? And this is what what Paul's saying is like, I want your the eye of your heart to be enlightened, so that as you look upon what God uncovers for Himself, that you'll be like, oh, God, you are amazing. And as you realize how amazing it is, everything else it starts to become a lot dimmer. Has that ever happened to you? I remember thinking, I remember having these epiphany about God, like in one of the retreats, and I was, you know, I, I cry, I ugly cry at the retreat, and then, and then like, you know, you guys take pictures of me and make fun of me on Facebook. I remember what? That me too. I remember one one of these times at the I remember like. God was speaking to me so clearly. And then he kind of showed me just a briefly of like how much he loved me in this, in this way where like I felt the experience of falling. Right? And it was like, I was like falling. You know how you say you're falling in love? I really felt this. And it, I remember feeling like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And you know what happened? My sins like became nothing to me. That's what it felt like. It felt like, like literally like God just like my like whatever things I was struggling with, all they just became nothing to me, and all I was able to experience was this like falling sensation of the love of God. When you realize, and then God He uncovers these things for us; they're hidden from us, not because He wants to, because we just might not be ready for it, right? And Paul's prayer is regarding our hearts. For us, a desire for the knowledge of God to be rendered evident in all of our hearts. That our hearts would be enlightened to seek and hunger to know God more. That God and all of that, that is Him would just like come alive within our heart. The eyes of our hearts. The eye you know, is, is what, what we take in and it's also what we use to experience. So the experiential thing of our hearts will actually be rendered to a point where it's like, Oh God, I just I just want to know more about God and what He has to reveal to me about Himself. Not just to know some things about Him, but the word revelation means to uncover. Right? You guys, who, how many of you guys have some secrets in your life? Right? How many of you guys are introverts? And it's like, oh, the Word will never know me fully, right? How, how many of you guys? How many of you guys feel that way, right? I'm not an introvert. You got everything you know about me, you've already seen, right? Nah, just kidding. Right? Some of us, we have these deep, dark secrets and longings and yearnings. Imagine God, right? God has secrets. You know that? 
And God's secrets are amazing. And God has mysteries that, that our minds and our brains can't fully comprehend. And then God tells us, he invites us into this relationship. as, hey, if you seek me, I will reveal these things to you. Where we feel like we, you know, we get into this place where we feel like we know God. And we're like, oh God, this is you. And then, and then God reveals a little bit more and you're like, whoa. He blows our minds. And, and, and the thing is, it's continual. It's for a lifetime. You guys think that the Christian life is going to get boring? No. It gets more exciting. As you have this spirit of wisdom and revelation that goes and wants to dig and, and go after the things of God that he wants to reveal about himself. And that's why this is for the mature in Christ. Some of us, when we get to a place of maturity and we feel like complacent with God, I felt that way. We feel like, oh, I, 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 know, I know a lot about God and I've been in this relationship. I think I can coast in this way, but God never died. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that we could coast. Jesus died on the cross so that, that we would have this, this, this spirit of wisdom and revelation that would be like, oh, like, I, like it's enlightened within me to go after and to know more about the things of God and just be blown away by Him. spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. And out of all the prayers that He could pray for these mature believers that are, that are doing God's work, they're strong in the faith, they're doing what Jesus has told them, they're loving the saints, they're, they're praying and they're doing everything, and He prays for them that I pray that you will know God more than you can possibly imagine. To have a spirit within them to want to know more and have more revealed. And one of the things that I love to do is, I, I love, and, and Mina says I spoil Ethan. I kind of do, right? I love both my kids to death. But then Ezra is not, it's not fun giving gifts to Ezra because he'll get it. He's like, hey, and he just throws it away. <laughs> he literally does. We got him. I'll get him. I got him for his birthday. I got him this turn, this Kongyong Mekada thing that Ethan loves. It's this green thing. He goes, oh, and he's just on the ground. And then, he, and then Ethan picks it up. He's like, oh, can I play with it? Right, he, he, Ezra is not fun buying gifts for, but then Ethan, like I love buying things for Ethan because there's like this, this joy that he gets. Oh, he gets so excited, right? And I remember like we went to Japan and he got these little dinosaur figurines that he loved. It's like it's like a 3D puzzle of a dinosaur. He doesn't know how to put it together, but he loves to watch me put it together. <laughs> and then he loves it when I glue it all together so it doesn't fall apart. And then he has this dinosaur, right? And he, he got it for him in Japan, and like we, he wanted, he wanted, he was like, he loved it so much. And then so I came to Korea, and then one day I was just going through coupon, and I saw one. I was like, Ooh. I was going seven bucks. I was like, I'm, I'm gonna get it. Right? I got it. And then I remember like he'll come home in the afternoon, and then he like, you know, Ezra's not home yet, and so it's just me and him sometimes. And then I'll be like, you know what? I got you something. Oh, really? What is it? I'm like, hold on, let me see. I hold it behind my back. It's like, what is it? What is it? And I'll be like, it's this. And he goes, oh, you're so excited. Oh. And he'll go to me and like, oh, mama, mama, you get that apple. He goes, I just like, that got me this. Hold oh, on, I can't wait. And I'll be like, hey, calm down, right? <laughs> right? But then I love, and I don't care. I don't care. I like Mina hates it when I, you know those little drag drag machines that the thing comes out, right? 
Mina hates it when I do it for him, but I don't care because I love the look because it's this element of surprise. He doesn't know what's going to come out. And then he goes, he'll do it. And he goes, he comes out, he goes, ah! He's so happy, right? It's like this mystery. He loves the mystery, right? He really does. He loves, the, I could tell him, hey, I can buy you a better toy for $5 or we want to do this two times. And for a while, he's like, oh, I just want to do these bulky things, right? Because even though some of them come out and they're, they're not that great, he loves the surprise. He loves being surprised. And that's what God has for us, right? That when we have a spirit of wisdom and revelation, when we really have a heart to hunger after to be re- to have the, a revelation of who God actually is, right? when we have that, God wants to surprise us. God wants to be like, hey, I got some for you, Scott. Ta-da! And you're like, ah! Some of you girls, you're like, ah! You know, I don't know why you guys do this, right? And like how Oprah gets so excited, oh, I got you this! And you're like, oh! But you know what? That is the heart of our God. That when it comes to Himself, He wants to give Himself. That's the love that Christ, Christ gave Himself for us. He gave of Himself. That's the type of love that God is. It's a love that wants to give of Himself. And, and you know what? He wants to give revelations and truths about who He is to us all the time. If we have... A, a spirit within us that hungers and yearns to have that revelation given to us. This is this is another lesson priority. The lesson is is that us knowing God is the most important aspect of our lives. When Paul prays for these saints, he's like, "Man, I could pray for I could pray for you guys to have more members. I can pray." For you guys to like to not be persecuted, I could pray for you guys to like, you know, like you know, do this and do that. But then, what really is the priority that Paul's setting here is above all that. What most important and what should be most important to you is for you to know more of God. I pray for many of you. I pray for your marriages. You guys don't know that, but I do. I pray for your health. I pray for some of your jobs and you know what you guys will come into your futures. All these things. But for me, what's most important is for you guys to know more of God. To have a heart that desires to know more of God. And for yourselves in your prayer life, if the heart of, of your prayer life is not to know more about God, all right, something is wrong. If, if all you're doing is asking God, 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 can you, can you, I need this. God, can you fix this? God, can you, can you help me with this? God, I'm contending for this. And it's, it's okay, right? It's, you're supposed to ask things of, from God. Jesus says you don't have because you don't you don't ask, right? And we, we, He gives good gifts. We, we're allowed to ask things, and we ask. But if that's the sole purpose of our prayer life to God, we've turned Him into a genie. We turn Him into like, like coupon. I want this thing, one day delivery, rocket bezel. Oh. Because the overarching thing that we have to know and understand is that we have to have a desire in us to want to know Him more. And if that right now is lacking in your life, right? Well, I want I want you to tell you, you're not gonna have clarity. And that's happened to me many times in my past too, where where my the desires of my heart, even as a pastor, wasn't to know God more in this community, but was to like have peace. You know, have like. Have like no stress for a long time. This is stressful, right? And God told me like, "Hey, 
Like in, in the midst of all this, I want you to know me. Imagine if you if you if you met who's a famous celebrity. Who's name a famous celebrity? Who? Yeah, imagine if Justin Bieber, Leanne, Justin Bieber came and said, "Baby, oh Leanne, right?" And 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 and, and, and he's like, "Hey Leanne, I want to get to know you." But then all Leanne does is like, "Oh snap! Just can I take can I get your autograph?" Oh, dude, can we take a selfie? Dude, my Instagram is going to blow up. Can you invite me to one of your concerts? Can I go on backstage? Yes. And he's like, can I get this from you? Can, I, can, can you? can you give me, like, you know, like tickets to your show? And, like, you know, can, can, can I go on tour? All of these things. But then what Justin Bieber wants is, like, hey, I want to get to know you, Leanne. I, w- I want to know your hopes and dreams. I want to have dinner with you. I want to spend time with you. Now you're just thinking like, I just want to take pictures with you, right? <laughs> Imagine, right? Imagine, like, like we, we, we think that with God, it's like, he, we think that there's all these things that we want from God, but then the, what God wants is like, hey, I want you to know me. What if Justin Bieber came and was like, you know what? I want to tell you my hopes and dreams. That'd be a different story, right? And she's clapping, she's like, oh! Us knowing God is the most important aspect of our lives. Period. It's the most aspect of our prayer life. It's the, mo- it's the most Im- important aspect of our, our life in the Word is to know Him. And this is what, what Paul prays for the saints in Ephesus. I pray that you will have the spirit within you of wisdom and revelation that just that has this desire within you to want to know more about God. To know, to, to desire to have more revealed to you about God. He's setting a priority here. He's saying circumstances are important, but it's not, the, it's not the most important. Knowing God is a priority. And this, I'm going to end with this, but this should be the priority when we pray for people. In our prayer lives, for people in our lives, what we want to see in the people around us, our families, our kids, that they will know God more. Now, it's easy for us to use prayer, especially for people that we're really close to. Easy for me to pray, Lord, make Ethan become a doctor. Or, Lord, please make my wife be more like this. Make her be nicer to me. Make her do this. Lord, or my friends, Lord, please make Ine not make fun of me. And ridicule me. I'm just kidding. I'm just playing. She's, I, I love you. Or better yet, Lord, please make it so the Kims don't leave us. A lot of times, if we're not careful, it's easy to turn our prayers into means of control. Means of trying to bring about what we think is right, what we want for them. Paul had every right to pray this. He literally taught the Ephesians everything that they know. He literally said, hey... You, the gospel you knew before I came was not the gospel. Because he, they, were pre, they were taught under Apollos. They didn't even know that. They were, they were still under the baptism of, of John the Baptist. He literally taught them everything 
They knew, they knew about the gospel and about ministry, about saving people, and, and they, were, they were doing it. And so Paul had every right to say, like, oh, Lord, I pray that they will keep doing what I, 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 I taught them to do. I pray that, that they will not fall away from these things. But what, what does he pray? He's like, Lord, I pray that they will know you more. You know, your will be done. Lord, I pray that, that, you will, that they will know you more. Know you in in this in their circumstances. Know you more in their heart. Know you more in in everything. And this is no different than the way that Jesus taught us to pray. He said, "What God's kingdom come." Jesus said, "Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done." And our prayer life is very important. There are many different ways for us to pray for people, but we have to take note of the priority here, and that for the saints, knowing God and more of Him is the most important aspect. Today's Father's Day, and there's a, there's a few fathers in here. And and one of the things, you know, as as our kids grow, we're gonna want to pray prayers where we're like, Lord, I pray that they will do what I. We don't say it that way, but that sometimes that's 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 a desire that we have. But but as fathers and as mothers and as people with with believers and people with you know family members are. What we have to pray is, Lord, I pray that ultimately, like ultimately, that they will know you more. Because, you know, when Ethan becomes older, and I, I, I can't control him, but my hope is that he will know God. That's how we pray for our kids. That's how we pray for each other. It's okay. I'm not saying that we're not supposed to pray for good health. Lord, I pray that they'll get this job. These are good prayers. If they're asking for prayer, these are good prayers. But if, if, if that's all you're praying, and, and the, 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 like I said, the center of your prayer life is not for you to know more of God and for the people around you to know more, more of God, then you've, you've lost the priority that Paul is trying to set here in prayer. To have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for your words. We thank you that you are a God that enjoys giving us good gifts. And you are a God that enjoys revealing just a little bit more of who you are into our lives. And so, Lord, I pray for each and every one of us here. I pray that today that there is something was sparked in us for, for all of us here that we will have a spirit, a disposition for us to hunger and, and thirst and, and just go after more of you, more understanding, more knowledge, more revelation from you in our lives. That we will we will have a desire to just have you reveal just a little bit more of yourself to us. And that this is not just something that happens once in a while, but this is something that's going to happen for the rest of our lives on earth until that one day when we stand face to face with you and we can see you in the fullness of your glory. Our heart is to know you more and draw closer to you every day. We thank you that you are relational and you love us and that you are a God that gives of yourself. We bless you. In Jesus' name we pray.